Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the Bennington Triangle? What were the butterfly people of Joplin? What's going on with reincarnation? Hello and welcome to the 912th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and we are coming to you live from WON, AM, and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, and on YouTube, and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those, devi- those diverse questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today, we bring you an open line show with a brand new guest co-host. Well, relatively brand new. It's yeah, the second new time. new and not new, yes. Peter William Shelley makes his debut as an official guest co-host today. Peter has been known to our regular listeners for years as the mysterious Peter from South America, who sent in excellent questions every week. Peter's true identity was revealed as he made a surprise appearance on our 900th show on June 20th of this year. A native of San Jose, California, Peter has had an active interest in UFOs and the paranormal since the 1960s. While still a child in 1969, he had a UFO experience that convinced him that the phenomenon is absolutely real. After high school, he attended film school with the intention of becoming a producer. In the late 1970s, he moved to Los Angeles and worked in cartoon animation as an artist. Ultimately, he was employed at Hanna-Barbera Studios and worked on such TV series as The Godzilla Power Hour and Jana of the Jungle. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. An avid listener to shows and podcasts on UFOs and the paranormal, he became dissatisfied with the quality of many shows. Now, evidently, this did not include Behind the Paranormal, and Peter has been an enthusiastic listener for years, contributing deep and probing questions on a weekly basis. In 2020, he started his own podcast on YouTube, Shadowy Spectrums. Peter has found a niche interviewing researchers from outside the United States. He lives in Bogota, Colombia, where he has taught English for over 10 years. So, Peter Shelley, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you very much, uh, Paul and Ben. I appreciate the honor. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Very good. Yeah, I will look forward to uh, many uh, fun shows in the future. But first, I have to say thank you for your work on the Godzilla Power Hour, which I actually have watched. And <laughs> as, as, as I grew really? up, one of, one of the staples of, of my childhood was Godzilla, of all things. Because my father, being the eccentric man that he is, uh, uh, loved the loved kaiju, um, which for those who are not familiar is is the Japanese art of giant monsters that attack things and and stand up for the rights of all children everywhere. It's uh, it's it's a uh, it's. <laughs> my dad told me that I was like, you have got to be kidding! I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> so I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit starstruck, and I apologize. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Now, there is one technical glitch we have to explain today. Uh, ben, I don't understand it, so tell people about the video. Huh. Well, um, so unfortunately, uh, for those of you who do so much enjoy uh, watching us on YouTube, um, there there has some, some of the, there's an issue with some of the equipment, uh, so we will not be streaming on YouTube today. If you happen to be watching on WOON's website, that's owenworldwide.com, you can uh, you can view us on there, um, and unfortunately, to our our guest here, he will not be able to see us, but we can see him, which is probably disconcerting. So, but Peter, behave yourself. It's a <laughs> so <laughs> just know that we're watching. Yes. So uh, the audio, however, will be recorded and will be uh, posted on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and the usual suspects. Correct. So, all right. So let us uh, let us proceed. 
Now, we have a number of uh, Facebook uh, contributions here. One is from Izzy in Connecticut. I think she's written in the last few shows. Mm, Good question. Yes. So, writing to us from Connecticut, Izzy writes, uh, I just read your book, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of. Um, and I, I found the butterfly butterfly people of Joplin really interesting because, as you say, uh, I've never heard of it. It is a beautiful story that really doesn't fit the quote-unquote monsters categories. Um, do you have any other examples of, mo- of creatures like this? Uh, what do you think they are? Well, interesting question. Uh, just to give people background on the Joplin thing, on uh, May 22nd, 2011, so just about, almost, just about 10 years ago, an uh, EF5 tornado pretty much devastated the city of the small city of Joplin, Missouri. And uh, within a day or two, stories began to emerge from uh, children who had been caught in the storm uh, that, that they had seen uh, sort of giant butterfly people, sort of uh, humanoids with butterfly-type you know, colored wings who protected them in sometimes almost impossible situations and protected uh, their adult guardians who happened to be with them. This uh, became an inspiration for everyone in the town, and an artist was hired uh, to um, do a mural on one of the buildings in town, and uh, the children contributed drawings uh, to to uh, add to this, and it was included in the, uh, the sort of the whole saga of the tornado ordeal that, that the area went through. Um, What's interesting about this is that uh, several adults also reported, who were with children, also reported seeing this. Uh, a number of people, of course, were killed, so whoever was protected was pretty lucky. It reminds me, however, of uh, some stories that I heard uh, from the, Ch- the Chernobyl nuclear disaster in the 1980s, uh, that, that there were supposedly uh, sort of angels who uh, told people to get out first and all this sort of thing. Uh, there um, is also the uh, sort of ironic tradition of the Mothman, who supposedly will predict disasters, and on occasion has not been nasty and scary, but has uh, helped people, apparently according to them, uh, not very often, but uh, the, the, the butterfly sort of style kind of reminds me of the Mothman stories. And uh, one does hear uh, of in natural disasters, storms, forest fires, things of this kind, occasional stories of this kind because they're very hard to verify. So, um, Ben, Peter, have you heard of, uh, for lack of a better term, guardian angel kind of beings uh, helping folks out in situations like this? After you, Peter. Well, I did uh, try to do uh, some uh, little bit of study a tiny bit on the on this incident and uh yeah it's it's now i did look at some video of uh the tornado itself and i don't see how anything could fly during that tornado it mm-hmm. was so fierce um, it's a great story i think uh spielberg maybe has uh, commissioned a script about it has he uh but um i would be interested in knowing who, how this story started exactly. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not really clear on that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, well, it's kind of nice to hear uh, kind of uh, uh, about cryptids who aren't uh, sinister <laughs> and doing uh, bad things. Uh, 
it's a, it's kind of a different kind of story, but um, I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Uh, so I guess I guess uh, my my first thought is um, you know I, I think I think how we did, I, I like the idea that was put forth, which was monsters, quote unquote, and that's a really interesting word to use, right? Because um, I think there's not a, a lot of time spent on what that means for something to be a monster. Right, so when you think of monster, you think of something that's 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 pushed on the outside of of civilization. Um, you know, like if you look at Norse mythology, it's like you know whatever exists beyond the ends of the world, you know, beyond the mountains that you know hold everything in. Or in some Middle Eastern uh, cultures, it's whatever's in the wilderness and the deserts, or or something that's just outside of of normal society, something that exists on the fringes, right? You know, you don't see Bigfoot running down the street in in the middle of downtown Woonsocket. Oh, now and then. Oh, occasionally. You know, it could be some guy who's really, really hairy running around. You never, you never <laughs> know. But typically, all this stuff kind of occurs on the fringes of society. Now, we can look at that as, well, yeah, obviously something like that couldn't exist within a city if you're being like a strict, you know, scientific materialist. Or you can view it in a symbolic sense, which is these are things that exist on the outside of of you know the I guess the 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 normal quote unquote. So if we um, if if we examine it from that sense, monsters aren't by nature you know bad. You know monsters are are sort of these things that exist. They have their own motives. You know like um, I heard this really interesting thing. I was talking to you about this yesterday, Dad. That um, the the uh, scholar Snorri Storlson, who spent a lot of time researching. Um, you know the you know the Norse epics and stuff, and most of our, our knowledge of them today are because of him. And he he makes a really interesting point that you know giants in in Norse mythology specifically aren't necessarily considered like you know these giant creatures. They're just kind of a race, and they mostly symbolize chaos. And that's kind of like their thing. They're not by nature bad. They're just chaotic. And there are even points where you know the Norse gods you know they they sort of hang out with these people. And there's all sorts of these really interesting stories in folklore of, um, of you know, monsters doing good things. You know, I, the first person that comes to mind is the early early Christian saint, St. Christopher, who is, um, if you ever see an icon of him, you'll see that he has a, the head of a dog, and you see him carrying the, the baby Christ. And the, there's not a ton known about him, but the, the story, the old, the old pietistic story goes that um, he was a giant, that existed in somewhere in, in modern day Turkey, and there was a river, and basically people would pay him to pick them up and move them to the other side of the river, and that was what he did. And um, there's there's a really interesting uh, little lecture I heard about him by uh, this guy named Jonathan Pajot, who made who who did a really interesting analysis of you know monsters doing good things, and it was it was really fascinating because. The the story goes that you know there was a baby that was on the side on the side of the river, and um, you know him being a giant by nature he's supposed to be bad you know i.e. like Goliath and and all those other figures he picked up the baby but had, you know he was he didn't have the strength because the baby was just incredibly heavy for some reason but he managed to get the baby across and it turned out that it was like oh it's baby Jesus or whatever so it was like you know the monster can be good too. And it's like you hear all sorts of stuff like that too, you know, in, in little little bits of folklore, nursery rhymes, and stuff like that. So monsters, by nature, 
don't have to be bad. Well, I, I perhaps can can uh, maybe wrap this topic up by citing personal experience. Uh, now we can't verify uh, the the um, well, really the the butterfly people of Joplin. The the one can see culturally how the label is attached, particularly by children. You know, all, all child uh, all children know what a butterfly is. Okay, and you have multicolored wings. Aha, some kind of butterfly. So I, I get that. But uh, and I've told this story many times on the air. Uh, 1979 uh, was on a military exercise in the St. Elias Mountains of uh, Yukon in Canada, and a survival exercise. And at one point, <clears throat> this is, of course this is 20th century military technology. It wasn't like today. I mean, you know, and we had, um, and essentially, I was caught in, in a small avalanche, and I was under eight feet of snow. Uh, the pressure was unbearable. I, I knew I was going to die. Interestingly, my, my body was panicking, but my mind was calm. Uh, you know, so. And all of a sudden, everybody else, uh, the other guys out there jumping up and down try, trying to dig me out. And all of a sudden, I felt my right hand go warm, and something pulled me up out of that snow mound or whatever. As I say, about eight feet. And I could breathe again, and the guys just sort of stared. And uh, I never understood. I felt uh, great positive energy. I felt love. And uh, I can't explain it rationally, whatever that means, quote unquote, but I just, uh, it happened to me. And it saved my life. So as far as, um, you know, nobody's going to tell me there aren't their guardian angels or some such critters who, who help us so, I mean, well we work with the data we have we, we do yeah and that's uh, all I can say but I think uh, the stories from Joplin are very beautiful uh, we researched them for our book as uh, the uh, listener pointed out but uh, we, we were the artist was uh, was kind of um, cooperative and not cooperative you know he wouldn't give us permission to run a picture of the mural on the uh, side of the building. But, I mean, I've, I've heard from other sources that the, the children stick to the story to this day. And, of course, a lot of them are not children anymore. So that's what we've heard anyway. Mm. Okay. Okay, uh, Peter, any further comment on that subject before we go well, on? Well, in, in, in your personal experience, uh, did the other soldiers see anything? They didn't see anything other than me buried under the snow. But when you came out, did they see anything they else? They saw me come out, that's it. Nobody saw any sort of creature or a spirit, if you will, or anything of that kind. It was just, you know, the cold and the wind. And uh, January in um, Yukon, of course, was dark. And so, um, but, you know, they had lights and you know, we were well equipped for that environment. But they didn't, you know, they didn't see anything. All I know is that hand got warm and out, out, I, out I was pulled. And I was pulled. By who or what, I don't know. Yeah, that's amazing. And then the, the butterfly uh, people uh, have never, uh, they have never been seen since the uh, 2011 tornado. Is well, not correct? there. Uh, but that depends who you talk to. Sometimes they have, they, uh, there have been reports, but of course that'll happen once, once it's joined the local, the local uh, folklore, if you will. People will see it again. It, it's much like the, would, would it be the Slender Man or these internet phenomena that, that really net, people made it up and all of a sudden people started seeing it. So we're we dealing with thought forms here or, or you know, survival instinct uh, taken to the tenth power or what? You know, deserves further research. All right. 
Peter, you look like you want to say something. <laughs> well, um, yeah, the, the, the only other thought I had was uh, there's a lot of, uh, I, I think there's some stories from World War II and some other World, oh, yeah, World yeah. War I maybe where soldiers have had some kind of encounter with a uh, benevolent being that helped them survive a situation. Uh, this is an interesting area. Uh, and then, of course, I, I also, my mind uh, flashed to the uh, photographs in the 19th century, I think, that uh, Arthur Conan Doyle thought were valid. Mm. These were showing like a miniature butterfly people, but it proved to be a hoax. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and, when, uh, with, when photography comes along, I'm not aware of any photographs of these. But photography, things are so easily faked, it's uh, very important to be very skeptical about photographs. But there are no photos of the butterfly people. Not that I'm aware of. Mm. So, all right, well, let's move on. We have uh, Kumar from Kent, England. Okie dokie. Bit of a long question, but a good one. Hey, uh, we, can, we can take it in, in paragraphs. Um, so Kumar writes to us. Uh, having been brought up in a tradition that believes in reincarnation, I'm always interested in what you have to say on the subject. You have asked the question if reincarnation is true, why are there so many ghosts? Having read your books and being familiar with your very plausible theories about the paranormal being explained by the multiverse theory, I know that question about reincarnation is somewhat tongue-in-cheek because you don't accept ghosts in the traditional way either. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah. Um, in Hindu belief, reincarnation can allow for ghosts. I actually didn't know that. Um, if a person dies with many uh, frust- frustrated wishes and hopes, the belief is that the soul will wander around for an indefinite uh, time with no body. So I suppose you can have reincarnation and ghosts at the same time. In Hindu belief, it seems to me Christians believe too, the body is like a piece of clothing. Uh, the soul, uh, which is the, the real essence, can be put on and taken off. Thank you for your great work and show. It is refreshing to hear so many new ideas in the paranormal field. Well, it's not. Well, I guess it's not really a question so much as it is a statement. Which is interesting. Yo, no, it's very interesting though. But th- thank you, Kumar, for writing in. He's he's written in before. The the uh, the notion that uh, <clears throat> of the dualism that we see in this uh, reminds me of Zoroastrianism, that, which tremendously influenced Christianity. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure of its influence on Hinduism though. But nevertheless, well, they're uh, all kind of in the same area. Yeah, I, I, I kind of considered that approach from, from Hinduism to, you know, the notion that, that you don't always necessarily be carnate. You might go, you know, blundering around uh, as a quote unquote spirit, and then, you know, until, until your wishes are fulfilled. I mean, talk about frustrating. But how do you do that? Mm. You know, in that state. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I get his point. But we and we don't accept ghosts as spirits. Necessarily, we could be wrong. We believe it's it's um, uh, intersect points with various parallel worlds that uh, where the person in question never died or whatever. And I think that's better physics. So I don't know. I'll throw that uh, right into Peter's lap to see what you think of uh, of that issue. Well, um, I'm thinking of your previous interview with uh, Dev. Um, and who was talking about alien abduction, and she had hypnotic regression, which uh, it came out during that process that she had some kind of other life, possibly in another time. Um, 
her interpretation was that it was uh, evidence of reincarnation. Uh, yeah, this is a, a whole other topic. I think it's it's very interesting that in more than one, in, in multiple cases, many cases maybe, people who are trying to investigate alien abduction experiences, alleged alien abduction, also it comes out that they have experienced some other kind of life, uh, possibly in another time. So uh, I don't have any... Uh, uh, I'm I'm more open on the subject of reincarnation now. My mother was actually obsessed with the reincarnation. Hmm. But what what turned me off was that it was always some historic person. Uh, I mean, in this in the present day, uh, living a mundane life, but previously Abraham Lincoln or Napoleon or some super famous person, but in this life a nobody. To me, that that didn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. a good point, actually. Well, as we said, you know, uh, they they never seem to be, uh, you know, Sven the uh, the reindeer herder from Lapland. I mean, they're they're all, you know, they're uh, you know, is some king or queen? I'm sorry, Peter. We've had more to add. Uh, well, I, I'm since she passed away, I read some books about reincarnation. I'm more open to the topic. Um, yeah, I. I don't have any uh, uh, good uh, good answers on, on that, but I, I mean, there was an interesting book I remember reading. Taylor Caldwell was the author, a woman, and she had this uh, memories of uh, being a surgeon, supposedly a female surgeon in ancient Greece, doing brain surgery, and describing in detail the brain operations that did happen. Uh, mm. There, 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 there is evidence of all sorts of uh, surgery. There's evidence of um, root canal work in Syria roughly 9,000 years ago. So, I mean, so you, you may have been right. Yeah, it was very interesting, but I still I don't have any uh, definite conclusions yeah. about reincarnation. Ben, any thoughts? Um, I do. I have thoughts. Thoughts are a thing, although they are not mine. Um, so... I think it's really interesting how I don't know. I've always had a problem with dualism. Um, I think I think that the the idea there's there's two sort of ways to approach um, approach it, right? So it's it's like you know my body is a skin machine. You know it's made of meat. It does calculations, whatever, and then my my soul kind of inhabits it and runs it, kind of like the little alien in Emma in Men in Black. <laughs> and 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 so from there it's 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 uh you know when when I when when my meat machine my meat machine decays and my my soul is released whatever done who cares about that piece of crap let's move forward to the future into a new meat machine and my my ultimate thing is I just I, I don't know I just I never bought it I was never into it I I don't know if it's if it's if it's a cultural thing it just it didn't make sense to me because it's like what's what's the point of having a body in the first place if that's the case right what's the point of all all of this even existing if it's like well it doesn't really matter because you're going to die and everything's going to decay and you know we're all just learning things to bring back to some uber consciousness and it's like if it's an uber consciousness wouldn't know everything anyway and and so now now we're getting to this weird space where where we're like all right are we uber platonists where i take my body for a walk 
instead of going for a walk? Are we are are we in this place where you know there's that prime mover that exists somewhere out there that's too busy contemplating itself and doesn't care about us, but we have to rise above and be perfect and be become prime movers ourselves? It's it's a it's a really weird space, and I I don't like that there's any separation because my personal experience because we're all experiencing a subjective experience of an objective reality is that my body is more than just my fingers and arms and appendages that are you know way flailing around it's it's so it's so much more than that i think how we how we view things is is uh we tend it's so minuscule and we view it from the lens of our own self-actualization and at this point it's like there's so much more to it there's so many more portions of of just you know i guess we'll take the soul right which is just uh, an amalgam of like five different Greek words that got kind of distilled into one. Kind of like love was seven different words that was distilled into one in English, yes. right? So it's so it's it's kind of like we're we're in this weird space where it's like, you know, how can we exist if it's just okay? Well, you know, as soon as I die, then all this is just meaningless. And then what's the point of doing anything? Because then you just become a nihilist at that point. And so we're we're at this place in postmodernism. Where we're trying to forget everything and and just say whatever to all of it, but postmodernism can't get around this big wall, and that big wall is called nihilism. We can't get around that. So it's either we look backwards to everything we forgot, or we just say whatever to all of it and just go full Nietzsche. And so I have a big problem with dualism in that regard, because you're gonna the natural next conclusion is nihilism. In my opinion. All right. Well, we can continue the duel of the idealists uh, after uh, our break here. And uh, I'll have one thing to say to sum that up. Anyway, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley with our wonderful guest co-host today, Peter Shelley. And we'll be right back. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON Radio, AM and FM. And uh, well, just before we leave the the issue of uh, reincarnation, uh, I think that one situation that could change the entire, uh, do, whether it's dualist or monist approach to, to, the, to the the philosophy of it, is uh, something that I really, that hit me after I read uh, Einstein's Special Theory of Relativity, his book Relativity in 1952, was that um, the implication being very strongly made that uh, there is no past, there is no future, it's all simultaneous, and we only experience it via our consciousness as past to future. It has no objective reality. And uh, very often uh, we've had people on the show, such as I'm thinking of Professor Ahmad Goswami, uh, the renowned uh, physicist and, and mystic from the Hindu tradition, uh, who pretty much agreed with us on these things. And I think it's, it's just... Um, an issue. If there's no past, how can you have past lives? 
rather, it seems to us that there would be parallel lives, and you could you could be, and and prob- probably are, since all possibilities uh, and outcomes do exist somewhere in the multiverse, if you believe the theory. Uh, you could be a famous you know, king or queen or scientist or composer, or you could be, you know, the, some poor drudge uh, cleaning the castle floor. I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, seems how it works. So uh, reincarnation is is a fascinating and open issue. And before we leave the subject, uh, Judaism had a reincarnation tradition. Now, I never knew that till I studied Hebrew. And I get into these these long, fascinating conversations with Rabbi Silverman in Providence. And uh, he, we would talk about this, and Judaism had a tradition of reincarnation. It's not prominent anymore, but it was for a while. Christianity, early Christianity, had groups that believed in reincarnation. I think yeah, primarily uh, of origin, not, not the beginning, but the guy, Yeah, you know, uh, early uh, Christian theologian, who was later considered a heretic, of course. And um, to be fair, he kind of got a bum rap. Got a lot of stuff attributed to him that just. Well, didn't. that's what your uncle Bob thought. Uh, yeah. Your uncle Bob was a priest who did his uh, doctoral dissertation on origin. There's some there's some scholars who think that a lot of a lot of stuff that that was said was attributed to him that he just didn't say. <laughs> well, you go that far back. I mean, you can't even get quotes straight today. No, people. never mind. You know, <laughs> just look at the news. You know, uh, 1800 years ago. So in any case, uh, reincarnation is an open question, perhaps an open book, but uh, who knows? Anyway. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to another uh, questioner here. We have uh, Joseph from Danville, New Hampshire, and we were in New Hampshire yesterday. Okie dokie. And so uh, Joseph writes to us. Um, it looks like there's a couple of things, so we'll just kind of we'll we'll take it a little bit at a time. And so the first portion is just thought I'd bring forward to you um, a place called Bennington Triangle in Vermont. Uh, it has almost the same reputation as the Bridgewater Triangle. In Massachusetts, uh, the Bennington Triangle has stories of disappearing people, and to this day there is uh, no reason for their disappearances. Uh, what is your thought on this? Well, I, I dare say, I, mean, I don't want to put Peter on the spot, but uh, he's uh, a sort of fellow who uh, is very uh, systematic and careful in his research. Have you uh, looked at this question at all, Peter? The Bennington Triangle? Well, to prepare for this show, Aha. Yeah. <laughs> Um but I'm I'm familiar with the Bridgewater uh, Triangle. I've I've looked at that. Um, yeah, this is pretty interesting. But it seems like there's a very short window of uh, mainly the the phenomena there is the disappearances. Uh, I think five people disappeared, but it was between 1945 and 1950. Why why hasn't the phenomena continued? Why such a short window of time? Um, but I did look at it, and um, yeah, we need a lot more information. But the the disappearance that I thought was the most interesting was uh, James Tedford, uh, who was on a bus. He was a veteran. Uh, he was on the way to visit uh, relatives, and uh, just before arriving in Bennington, uh, he apparently uh, was noticed uh, as being missing. His seat was vacant. His bus schedule was on his seat. His uh, luggage was still on the bus, but he was nowhere to be found. Uh, I thought that was the most interesting uh, or mysterious of the five people that disappeared because the other ones were, uh, uh, they were outside. Maybe you could imagine 
a bear or a mountain lion being responsible. But I doubt if there was a, a bear or a mountain lion in the bus. So we can't, uh, <laughs> you never know right. in Vermont. That's, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, but but why did it end in 1950? Why didn't the why why don't we have the more uh, mysterious happenings in Bennington? Um, so, um, yeah, the whole topic of people disappearing is very interesting to me. As a as a child, I was very intrigued with the Bermuda Triangle. Read a lot about that. So, uh, yeah, the topic of mysterious disappearances. Uh, I love that topic. Um, I would like to see, you know, the law enforcement report on on some of these cases. Mm. Right? We need more information. Well, it's uh, funny. In the seventies, I was uh, when I was studying for the priesthood. The, before I went into the Orthodox seminary, I was a Roman Catholic seminary, and I would have served in Vermont had I been ordained a Roman Catholic priest because that was uh, the diocese I was studying for. So I yeah. spent a lot of time there. Uh, we have a lot of family in Vermont. The Enos are major figures there, I guess, or used to be. And uh, so I, I would hear stories from the Bennington area. Now, now, Bennington is in southern Vermont. It's not up really in the mountains like you know some of the other places. And uh, <clears throat> it's easily accessible, uh, as is the Bridgewater Triangle kind of on the other side of us here in New England. Uh, I, ha- I did hear stories in the 70s of some of the disappearances because people knew I was into this. And <clears throat> there were um, reports, too, of giant birds seen, uh, things that you really couldn't put your finger on, uh, in the sense. And uh, it's um, relatively well populated for Vermont, but Vermont, I believe, has more uh, forest, uh, you know, per square mile or whatever it is than most states, uh, you know, for its size. So um, I was aware of it. There were uh, UFO sightings. I think if you look back through MUFON reports in the 70s, uh, there was pretty uh, pretty healthy uh, set of sightings there. Uh, things that, that, that might, should we look into it, you know, sort of label it as a flap area. But we have not, that is not in our official list of flap areas. But we do have uh, family and uh, listeners around there who do kind of keep an eye on the place for us. Uh, one of whom is a, is a doctor, a very dear friend of ours. So uh, I think that uh, dessert, we, we are aware of it. Uh, thank you for writing in about it. And uh, we just um, will continue to monitor uh, what, we can, what we can monitor from there. Fair enough. But uh, there's no, no uh, way is as dramatic as some of the other no, areas, uh, no. particularly Pennsylvania. No, a, it seems like there's a lot of, um, um, what's, what's the word? Wow, I, I I just I spooky just, stuff. I guess yeah, we'll go with that. There's there's spooky stuff, but just not not super documented. You know what I mean? Well, that's it. I don't know. We haven't really researched at the point where we we've gathered data and other things that we do in other areas. Although apparently, so many hours in the day. Well, according to, to Joseph over here, um, there there are more groups that are that are investigating. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, and there there are you know other other sort of there's stuff going on. I I personally. Haven't heard about it um, until you know last never recently, so it's so it's I don't know maybe. Well, the question is you know how do you research? I mean, it should be done in a systematic manner. The the disciplined thinking that we uh, that should be applied to scientific matters should also be applied to this insofar as it's possible. 
uh, perhaps that's a pipe dream, but I mean, I, uh, some you know people go in with, with no experience in data gathering or uh, any sort of scientific thinking can gather information and it's all be hearsay and really have very little value. So I don't know. We'll, perhaps we'll uh, tackle that area as uh, as we go. Indeed, maybe on a vacation or or perhaps a weekend. Well, it's not that far away, so you we'll know, go up for lunch one day. Who knows? Yeah, like we did yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we'll move on to the, to, to the next question, which is uh, Linda from Taos, New Mexico. Uh, and Linda writes to us, I hear a lot about Bigfoot and UFOs being seen together or near each other, uh, including on your show, uh, but not so much here in the Southwest. So what is the connection, if any? Uh, is Bigfoot an alien, a ghost, or are aliens giant, hairy, and smelly, or are they close but no cigar? <laughs> well, that, that's an interesting point. Uh, the, the, the geographical characteristics of many paranormal phenomena have drawn our interest in the past. Uh, one wonders if there are cultural aspects. In, in other words, uh, you know, people from Botswana usually don't see leprechauns, or although they, they're the versions of it. Uh, so the matter of, of uh, Bigfoot and UFOs is one that has come to our attention very, very prominently in the Pennsylvania Triangle case. Uh, we have been researching that since 2016. It's one of our newer cases. And uh, with COVID, we, we haven't been able to get down there in person uh, since 2019. But when we do, we have uh, neighborhood meetings, and we've mentioned this on the air before, uh, with up to 35 people, almost all of whom have seen Bigfoot and strange lights, mm. sometimes in close proximity. Uh, our good friend Ronnie LeBlanc from Lemonster, Mass., who is on uh, Expedition Bigfoot, is is very... Uh, it's done a lot of research on the presence of these lights, particularly orange orbs, as he calls them. So, I mean, what it means, I don't know. Uh, when we saw that UFO and video, videoed the thing in 2019 in May, uh, there had been um, a lot of Bigfoot sightings in the area. I, I, we're dealing, perhaps, if our theories are correct, with uh, overwashes of various parallel worlds with different laws of physics, different inhabitants, perhaps, and uh, intersect points, uh, which may involve the, the, the lights, uh, maybe orbs. Uh, we, we have, I've expressed the opinion in the past that orbs, which are these balls of light that, that interestingly occur far more in digital photography than they, than they did in the old days on standard film, uh, might be living things that feed around the boundaries of parallel worlds. That's just a thought. So uh, whatever they are, th- there do seem to be uh, these lights, and uh, if if Bigfoot is indeed a uh, shapeshifter, w- which can mean coming and going, not necessarily changing into a you know a, a handsome prince uh, when you kiss it uh, right then and there, but you could have it coming and going between uh, across the membranes, and uh, the lights may be just a phenomenon associated with that. Uh, but we really don't know. But there are a lot of reports of Bigfoot and UFOs. Now, the, the zaniest one I think I've ever heard was, I think it was 1976 in France, and it was uh, late at night, it was winter, there was snow on the ground, and there was a couple uh, out uh, doing what couples do uh, in, in you know parking out there, and they happened to see a, an orb descend from the sky or a craft, and a Bigfoot gets out, mm-hmm. and a uh, couple of aliens, and, and then you know all, all this stuff that... that it just sounds like it's right out of a comic book. It sounds like a, like you're starting a joke: Bigfoot and alien and a ghost walk into a bar. Walk into yes, and <laughs> but there was a, a second witness who claimed us uh, at least saw the light at the time. So I don't know. Uh, very very bizarre and 
So there do seem to be, at least in, in the folklore of the field, uh, relationships between Bigfoot and uh, UFOs. But whether Bigfoot is an alien or whatever, what do you mean by alien? Uh, these these are all open questions. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, re- recently I, I was uh, thinking about, um, I don't know, for some reason this popped into my mind, the idea of, uh, okay, humans have the scarecrows. Uh, to keep away animals from crops. So maybe uh, extraterrestrials or whatever they are can generate their own version of a scarecrow, hmm. which uh, has apparent uh, uh, reality, but uh, would uh, would not be affected by gunshots, uh, things like that, because we have insta- uh, instances where people are shooting at Bigfoot with no effect, and even uh, shooting at Bigfoot, and Bigfoot disappears in a flash. And I'm thinking, could this be some kind of uh, alien holographic technology, where it appears to be real, but it's it's just a, some kind of a projection that has a, a scarecrow um, um, mission to scare people away from certain areas. I don't know. For some reason, that popped into my mind. I, I don't know if it has any uh, validity, um, but maybe maybe there's a a, a, a a more advanced form of hologram that can have some minimal physical effects on the environment, uh, but still be uh, still not be real. In other words, you know, because we have the footprints from Bigfoot, yet Bigfoot is impervious to bullets. Hmm. We have those stories. So how do you explain that? Yeah, mm. I don't know. That is, that is an interesting idea that, to 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 kind of throw that out there. I I hmm. You know, we were we were we we were having lunch the other day with um, Alexander Petikov, and um, we were talking about woodknocks and 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 you know the various forms of communication that are that are used. And apparently, within the last few years, it was discovered that um, <clears throat> excuse me that um, primates apparently they communicate they they can with other primates with with claps and also um, with like these these popping sounds that gorillas can do with their teeth and it's it's interesting and a part of me you know, for keeping up with this scenario wonders if it's like you know if it's an extraterrestrial's understanding of of how humans communicate with each other almost it's like <laughs> a, like a half human thing you know something that's just human enough that may that may be able to you know articulate behavior of you know other primates or or something to that effect. I don't know. It's it's a fun scenario to kind of to kind of play around in because it does kind of answer uh, it, it sort of answer sort of answers a question to to why is it that they they are there one second and then gone the next or or how can they do you know like you said semi semi physical things like impact the environment in some way shape or form. But yet, there's no bodies found. There's no, you know, you'll find hair samples every now and then. Mm. But it's like, you know, they'll run out in front of cars. You know, people shoot at them, and then nothing. It's, it is, it is an interesting, interesting idea. Hmm. Yeah. Well, my own uh, Bigfoot encounter in 2016 in Pennsylvania was uh, anything but scary to me. But, uh, but I always refer to that little girl who saw. 
something very similar in broad daylight on her way home from school on the dirt road, and she's been terrified to this day. So I don't know. It's a, sort of an open uh, open question and um, very good speculation, fellas, I have to say. So uh, I think we have time for maybe one more in depth. I think, I think we do. Um, do, you, do you have another page? One oh, yes, page? right here. Yep. If you can get it, get it off, get it off the trick table. It's like a like a trick birthday candle. Um, Yeah, very bad surface. Indeed. So, uh, ah, here's one for you, Dad. Probably, probably, probably closer to your neck of the woods. Um, Carrie from Red Oak, Texas, uh, writes to us. I've heard you guys say that you should not try to communicate with ghosts or other entities, Uh, but what happens if they try to communicate with you? Do you ignore them or what? Uh, Even if they say, as Paul says, play frisbee uh, with your grandma's fine china. Well, I, the, the the general rule of thumb that I've always used uh, when I, after I learned in the hard way about it in the 70s was that uh, it's never a good idea to try to communicate with these things. I don't care if it's Ouija boards, mediums, or whatever. And having <clears throat> having uh, said that for years, uh, there I am writing in my last book in 2019 that I'm sitting down meditating and communicating with these things that seem to approach me. That's why I didn't want to write about it. I sound like a hypocrite. But uh, I think that there are degrees here. Um, I think that if you, um, we, we always say, you know, avoid, quote unquote, ghost hunting and, and avoid seeking it out. Uh, I told that to a, a whole room, room full of more than 200 would-be ghost hunters uh, some years ago in Florida. And I got a, this blank stare in, in uh, return. But I think that if these things come to you unbidden or you live in a quote unquote haunted house you know you're not seeking it out it's like it's seeking you out so i mean or at least you're in a situation where, where you're going to run into it so uh, i do sympathize with that i think that it has to be taken uh, with uh, as much common sense as you can and uh, to avoid i think of uh, trying to ignore it or avoiding communication is uh, is important because uh, you don't know what you're dealing with you know, and and um, however, uh, yeah, there are times where it becomes um, you know impossible to ignore, mm. or there are poltergeist things going. On. In that case, who are you going to call? Well, I mean, there's really, I don't know. It, it, it's a real dilemma. I mean, you call us, but I mean, you know, we're here. We don't have our. It's not like we can jump on our Gulf Stream and go jetting to the West Coast, help somebody out in in BC or California. Uh, on the other hand, what do you do? But I, I would say get in touch with us or some of our gang, and uh, I think that our approach is um, it, it, it does work, and we can give advice. Uh, but I would not call in, you know, the local ghost hunters. You don't know how qualified they are. I'm waiting for the lawsuits to begin uh, with these people, and uh, I wouldn't rely on TV or any of these reality shows because it's entertainment, not science. So it, it is a dilemma. But I would say ignore it if you can. If you can't, call us. <laughs> That's all I can really think about. Fair enough. That situation, Peter. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not too sure how to respond to that. I, I would like to give a get a more specific example. Uh, just like when you're dealing with humans, how humans approach you depends on you know would affect your. Uh, the quality of your response. Uh, yeah, I really. Uh, now I do. I do have. I do have. Do we have time for uh, another question? Or are we? Well, I, did, uh, I wanted to point out uh, something uh, that's uh, that came in over Messenger just now. 
uh, Charlie from uh, Oregon, who's a very uh, faithful listener, uh, says, great thought about Bigfoot being a scarecrow. Truly unique. I like it. Good on you, Peter. Unquote. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, you, Paul, have, have experienced a, a Bigfoot a close encounter. So I don't know. This is just, I for some reason, uh, that just popped in my head. And it will explain how <clears throat> you could see this thing. It appears to be real, but it can take bullets without any effect. Uh, you know, that, to me, that's uh, totally mysterious. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't developed this idea any further than that. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's but always time. Course, you know, there's people that find the samples of hair. Uh, so how do you explain that? Um, and the footprints. So maybe there's a, some higher level of, a hologram projection, which can leave some physical effects minimal? I don't know. Well, one point I'd like to make is that whether it's me encountering uh, the Bigfoot there in 2016 or people growing up in haunted houses or encountering uh, aliens or you know, whatever class of encounter it is, you encounter it doesn't mean you understand it mm. any better. You know, and, and you might get impressions and things, but you just, I don't know, it's, it's, it is a mystery. It's always a mystery. Indeed. Yeah. And I think the multiverse idea is, is probably comes closest to explaining maybe how it works, but why it exists uh, may not be so easy to answer. Right. So, Ben, any thoughts uh, before we leave that, that question? Uh, sure. I guess um, it, it, it's uh, – I guess this – my answer could apply to both both of those, those, those questions is, as I've been saying, which my, my saying for the day is – you know, we work with the data we have. And um, <clears throat> one of the really, really interesting portions of being a human is how we experience knowledge of data that of what we have. So we have data, right? You know, I can say, you know, X amount of people have seen Bigfoot, X amount of people have seen UFOs, X amount of people have, have you know, had quote-unquote communications with, uh, you know, extraterrestrials or, or other entities or something. And it's like, okay, cool, we got numbers. But the problem is... We need to interpret the data, and that's where we have the most trouble is how do we interpret the data we have, and it's very hard to do because, A, there's not a ton of it, and B, it's um, it's, a, it's always up to how we experience it, right? You know, yeah. you you have the the lovely experience of, of been working in the paranormal for a very large portion of your life. So you have a set of data that is very different than that of a seven-year-old girl who sees Bigfoot for the first time. Mm. So the the amount of data that you have and the bullet points that you have are very different. So how you interpret the experience and interpret the data is very different. You know, um, our our friend down in, in Red, Red Oak, Texas, has the the data of talking with something or something attempting to communicate with her. And the data she has is us, <laughs> yeah. and how to and how to how to interpret that, and um, and it's 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 sort of like we have we have the the data that is okay. Well, Bigfoot is can be shot at and appear to take no bullet wounds and disappear, but we do have we also have data that there's that there can be hair samples, there can be you know tracks and and stuff 
that we, that we see, and we have this data, and it's like, you know, we have bits and pieces of a giant jigsaw puzzle, and we're told, all right, build the puzzle with, like, you know, like a quarter of the pieces you need to build it, and so you have have to take these pieces and try and build something out of it. Yeah. Which there's really not, there's not not a really easy way to do it in in a way that, that we can all kind of agree on, which is evident by how we all have very different opinions on the same thing. Oh, sure. sure. So we work with the data we have, um, which is not much. And so the goal would be to get, A, more data, um, but, B, I think a secondary goal should be to develop um, some sort of discerning way in which to interpret the data, a, a way that, that is, is as objective as possible, a way that is to understand that there are subjective experiences of this of this data that are very different for everybody. So you can say, you know, well, data is objective, and so we know that X, Y, and Z happened. But then, how do we interpret it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that uh, pretty much brings us to the end of, the, of today's discussion, and we can. I think that's a subject we can approach again, Ben. So let's uh, take away our announcements if we can here. Indeed. On well, actually, I'm, I'm up first. On Friday, September 17th, that's next Friday at 7 p.m., I'll present a program on poltergeists via Zoom, sponsored by the Tewksbury Public Library in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. Find information and register at tewksburypl.org. Now, again, this is Zoom, so anybody, uh, even if you live in uh, Bogota, you, you can you can uh, sign up for this and participate in it. Indeed. And on Tuesday, September 21st, that's uh, that's coming up fast, uh, my dad will present a program on UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts uh, via Zoom to Mainline MUFON in Philadelphia. And you can check out MainlineMUFON, M-U-F-O-N, dot com. You know, I really appreciate not having to drive four hours to go to these things. It's, you know, it's kind of the, the silver lining. Yes, it, yes it is. There's nothing good about this pandemic, but I mean, that's it does save gas now and then, I must say. On Friday, October 8th, I'll present a paranormal overview at an unusual venue, the Arizona Dowsers Conference at the Little America Hotel in Flagstaff. That is in person. Uh, and you can visit dowserssouthwest.com for more information. And on Thursday, October 21st, at 7 p.m., I'll be, at, be back at the Haverhill Public Library in Haverhill, Mass., to present on Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. This is scheduled to be an in-person event, but stay tuned on that. And for any of these things, Ben might join me if he's able, but, you know, he's uh, being a working stiff now with a mortgage to pay. He's <laughs> and also, I'm, I will be starting courses soon. Yes. So, so, uh, so on that note, um, we will present once again at the Western Connecticut UFO Conference during the last week of October this year. Um, on Sunday the 24th, we'll do a live simulcast with the conference. Uh, this will be an open line show format with uh, Kathleen Martin taking questions from conference participants and our global audience on the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case, which 2021 is actually the 60th anniversary. Uh, on the following Saturday, COVID variants permitting, We'll present live at the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library to help wrap up the conference. Other presenters that week will include Mark D'Antonio, Tom Reed, uh, Michael Schrett, uh, Linda Zimmerman, and uh, Mike Panicello from Connecticut MUFON. Okay, now, Peter, what's going on with you? Tell us about uh, Shadowy Spectrums. Well, yeah, that my uh, show on uh, YouTube, uh, I am behind schedule in developing uh, new interviews. But hopefully in about a month, approximately, I'll be interviewing somebody in Asia about UFOs. Hmm. Yeah, I like the approach of interviewing uh, non-American experts. That's a 
very much untapped sort of a source. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're coming out of the end here. What do we have for next week, Ben? Well, uh, so next week, uh, once I get to where it is, uh, September 19th, uh, we'll welcome Dr. Erica Elliott uh, for a journey into what she's learned about medicine and miracles in the desert while living with the Navajo people. Huh, I, I can't wait to hear your point of view because you were with the same Navajo people, not at the same time. Well, no, and my, my experience was only for a week on a mission trip, so it was... <laughs> well, it's more than my experience in that particular reservation, anyway. I guess it's a good point. All right, well, we leave you today with a laconic thought from none other than Walt Disney, who appears to have known his multiverse theory. If you can dream it, you can do it. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Peter William Shelley. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.